Mr. Brian, thank you for being on episode eight of the Blazing Cards podcast. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to do this. I love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that I know about you. We both love to talk, so it works well. So, do you mind listing your accomplishments to start off? Uh, Yeah, so uh, I have four, I think, four YCS tops. Uh, I think just four. I got, I have a UDS top eight. Uh, and then of course I have my two Nats tops. I got fourth in 2018. And then at our last Nats that we had in 2019, I got fifth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so with the, with the fourth place placement in 2018, uh, that qualified me for worlds. So I've been to worlds. Nice. And how was worlds? How'd you do there? Oh man. Worlds is freaking <laughs> Worlds is freaking awesome. Um, yeah. the tournament itself didn't go as I would have liked, obviously, because I'm not a world champion. Um, I ended up getting 15th. <laughs> I got 15th after Swiss. Um, but the whole trip itself was like the the, the highlight, I guess, just mm-hmm. being able to explore. So uh, the year I went, it was in Chiba, Japan. So just outside Tokyo. Um, but just the whole process of like flying to Japan being around all the other like best players in the world, then getting to experience the city, that's all just like an unforgettable experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do have to rub it in. I did not know you got 15th, but I got 14th when I went. So I will. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> all semantics, buddy. It's all semantics. <laughs> well, we make sure I bring that up every time I see you now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how did you get there? How did you start traveling? How did you end up going to Worlds and getting fourth? What was your journey to that point? Yeah, man. So I've like, I I started like playing Yu-Gi-Oh since I was like a little kid, man. I, mm. I, I don't know. I think since I was like, I got my first cards, I think when I was four years old. Oh, wow. Um, my, yeah, my mom got me card. I wanted, so she liked, she knew I liked the show, but uh, I don't think the Legend of Blue Eyes set was even, uh, even existed in North America yet, but I wanted cards and she bought me like some Japanese cards and I'll never forget like her coming home to bring me that set and I was like oh my god it's freaking awesome I still remember like in my first pack I remember it was like an um uh, a skull servant which is like a known card mm-hmm. uh, a lajin some stuff like that and I was just like this is crazy man like I finally have cards so yeah I've, I've just been around the game my entire life but I didn't start like taking it a little more serious until I was in seventh grade um in seventh grade I started, uh, I had a good friend in middle school, his name was Ryan, and another good friend in, named Justin who started playing with me, and um, like I started watching more YouTube videos about people who played, and I was like, oh, so like there's some really good people out there, and I started like kind of learning the more intricate uh, aspect of the game, like to start improving as a player, and that's when I went to like my first uh, regional, which back then were like Shonen Jumps, which was super yeah. cool, but after like seventh grade, I stopped and didn't pick it up again until either late junior or early senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, because my friend Ryan, the same one from middle school, started playing again. So he got me back into it. But I did. it was kind of more of a casual thing. I did buy like a deck, but I didn't go to any major tournaments or anything. And I, I never like, I never knew the concept of locals. I was I, like, I didn't know that there was these just stores nearby my area that hosted weekly tournaments. If not, I would have probably played a lot more. Yeah. Even um, when you, before you went to the regionals? Yeah. You yeah. To, you didn't, no you didn't even go to locals before the regionals? No, I didn't know what a local was. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Um, but like right after I finished high school, I just stopped playing just because, I mean, college takes up a lot of time and stuff. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of my freshman year in college, in my, which was like early 2015, my one of my roommates actually like, one day I, I go out in the living room and I see he's on Dueling Book and I was like, dude, you're playing Yu-Gi-Oh right now? No way. Like, you don't know, bro. I, I'm a Yu-Gi-Oh fiend, you know? Like, I, I love the game. <laughs> and so because of him, essentially, I, uh, I I got back into it. And, you know, now that I was more of an adult, I, I mean, I had a license, I had a car and I had money. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to, like, buy my own cards and, like, finally, I, I knew what a local was by this point and I was able to travel on my own. So... I really picked up the game uh, like mid 2015 mm-hmm. and uh, started going to like regionals and stuff. Never anything too serious. I kind of just, I don't know. I, to me, ever since I was little, regionals were like the big thing. I didn't really, I didn't like know about YCSs that much. I mean, I knew they existed, but 
to me, it was like, man, LA regionals, especially LA regionals, just because of the player count that they would get, which are used to be insane. We used to get like a thousand plus players at our regionals. Yeah. Um, those were like California's super huge. prestigious for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would like go to those and like every time, like I would get cards specifically to try and do better at the next regional. My goal, my goal was to top a regional. That was like my big goal. And so I started playing more and more. I would go to like every LA based regional, which are about once every four months or so. And I would, but I would go to locals on the weekends when I had time when I was off of school. Um, but it wasn't until September of 2016. So a little over a year that I had started like playing seriously again. <clears throat> that I went to an LA regional and uh, at the time the there was a light sworn deck that had gotten popular because the Minerva prize card had recently came out earlier that year mm. and so that card was actually like super broken um, and I was like man this deck looks like so much fun I want to play this so I was able to like get a super good deal on a Minerva for <laughs> at the time I, at the time they were like going for over a thousand but I got one for like seven hundred dollars so oh hell yeah so I was like, yeah, I'll pick up a Minerva. I'll play it at this tournament, at this regional, and then I'll just sell it after. It doesn't, no big deal. But I ended up getting, so there was like more than a thousand people at that regional. I think there was like 1,160 or something. Wow. And I got 11th. And I was like, man, you know, so close. So but, close. But it like, even though I didn't make the top eight, it like uh, validated it, validated. Yeah, validated mm-hmm. me as like a player. I was like, man, you know, I, uh, maybe I am good enough to like hang with these guys. And then my last round opponent at that regional, uh, I had known him before because he had gotten a few YCS tops. He told, he asked me if I was going to the upcoming YCS, which was uh, YCS Minneapolis, which was going coming up in two weeks. And I was like, nah, man, it's, it's far. I'm like, no, I don't really travel to these things. And he told me that I should, because he thought that I had the best deck in the room. And I was like, man, if some guy that's topped these things before thinks that I have what it takes, Maybe I should go. So, like, right after that regional, I was, I was like, man, I was, like, on the high of it, right? So, I started looking to see. I know, I knew that a guy from my locals traveled to YCS's because earlier in that same year, I was looking at the coverage of an event that I had at a YCS that had occurred in Atlanta, and I saw his name. I saw that he was there, and I was like, oh, man, this guy travels. Mm-hmm. So, I hit him up to see if he was going to go to the following event. He said he was thinking about it, and I pretty much convinced him to go. So <laughs> the first YCS I ever traveled to was in October of 2016, and I played that uh, my my same Lightsworn deck that I had played at the regional, and it was a really great experience. Like, the, the whole aspect, I had, like, never traveled before alone to an event, um, and playing in the event was crazy. I started off 5-0, so I was like, hell oh, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm insane, and then I lost three in a row, so oh. I was out, but... I had such a good time at that event and then uh, that I was like, man. And then I felt even though I was out of the event, I still felt that I had what it took to like succeed in the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started just traveling to all the YCSs that I could. Um, so I went to like, so after Minneapolis in October of 2016 came Anaheim in 2016, which is close to me anyways. Then Seattle in 2017, my third YCS. And that YCS Herds, it was the first event with the Zodiac cards legal. And I finished eight and two in Swiss, which is a topping record, but I got 33rd. Oh, oh man. I'll never forget that. I was so elated. Like, I was like, man, yeah, I finished with yeah, a topping record. Fine. I made my first top cut. Just to find out I didn't top. That was that was really sad. But at that point, I was like, but I knew I knew I had what it took because yeah. I technically finished with a topping record. How did you know even from when you went five and three? in like 2000 that was 2015 or 16 16 16 16 okay so what made you stick with it for another year and like how'd you know that you had what it took uh just because the losses that i did take at like those events were kind of like out of my control like either i break or something but i knew like there were situations where i was playing like versus opponents where i could see that like i'm capitalizing on their mistakes or Mm. or there are things that i'm doing as a player specifically with like my decision making um, and uh, my deck building, at least, that mm-hmm. were above like just the average player, um, and it was working out for me. And I, w- I would do like, I would either win or get second at locals every week too, and that that kind of helps too. But mm-hmm. it was really about the fact that I could just see it like in my play. Um, so and and I also just enjoy playing. So it's not like yeah. oh you know, 
I'm good, so I'm going to keep playing. No, it was also like I like playing, and I started at this point, I had already started making friends within mm -hmm. the scene that I would typically only see when I would play. So, and I sure, wanted to yeah. continue seeing them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I get 33rd. At, oh, sorry, please. Go oh, ahead. no, I was just going to say, what do you remember any of those like mistakes that you might have seen <coughs> that you feel like an average player makes that you weren't making? And so that might be like um, what separates you? Yeah, it's like, it's like, for instance, if I have let's say card X, X, right? Let's say I have X, Y, and Z in my hand. Mm -hmm. And I know my opponent has a set because he searched it earlier in the turn. And now he has like two unknowns. Um, what you have to understand, especially like in an any given format is what the card pool is. Because it, let's say, let's say for like nowadays, this is good because it'll be relatable for today. Let's say my, my opponent is playing like um, an Eldritch deck, for instance. You know, the, the typical Eldritch engine runs Anywhere from two to three Golden Lord, two if it's like not a full Eldritch deck, three if it's pure, uh, three Cursed Eldland, three Eldlixir, three Conquistador, and about two two to three Fakero, depending on the deck. Now, if they mix it with the Zodiac cards, you typically know that the Zoo Engine requires anywhere from it's like it's like seven to nine or ten cards in the main deck, depending how heavy you want to go on the engine. So when you already have that in mind, they have that's like anywhere from like. 20 to like 22 cards for the engine then there's only a certain amount of cards that they could fill out the rest of their deck with so hmm. when you have an idea of what exactly the cards that are being played in the format are such as like right now with like people are playing like ice dragon's prison um some like cosmic cyclone they're playing a uh, hand trap like ash blossom uh nibiru's either dd crows ash blossom i mean uh Skullmeisters, whatever when you have an idea of the generic cards that are being played in the format you can always kind of have an idea of what you're playing against. I mean, of what your opponent might have when you're playing against them, just based off of what you understand of the format. So mm -hmm. if I know my opponent searched X off of his end because of his engine in the turn, and let's say he said another, maybe one card and he has like two cards in hand, then I could theoretically identify that, okay, um, that set could be any one of these potential five or six cards that are being played in the format. And he has an additional two cards in hand. If the deck that he's playing requires a lot of normal summons for starters, then it could be either more engine cards in his hand or the end uh, the format calls for a heavy hand trap um, lineup in many decks, then I'm like, okay, he has three cards in hand. One could be an engine card. The, the rest could be hand traps. So theoretically, I would know like, okay, I have to play around this hand trap that he could have, this hand trap that he can have. And if when I play, my, when on my turn, if I like play X card and if he doesn't interrupt me with uh, X hand trap, then I can theoretically go from there. And a lot of people like just don't, understand that or mm -hmm. they don't take that into account when they're playing but that was something i was already doing at that stage in the game and it was really working out for me um and that's just one of the things that has continued to work for me throughout this entire time that i've been playing the game yeah no that makes that makes a ton of sense i think that and ryan talked about that a little bit last week on the podcast where it's really important to as you play a card <laughs> to rule out if a card that they would most likely respond with yep so then you can go yep. like okay i know they don't have this now like, if you summon, like, a third monster and they don't Torrential, mm -hmm. then you're like, okay, I know they don't Torrential, so I can, like, make the extra push for game or something. Yeah, it's, so like, it's kind of, like, kind of a big similar. process of elimination thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and you use that, like, for, I mean, you can use it in any situation, but for the example you use, you do the same thing with, like, the hand trap, where you're like, okay. Correct. They don't have Ash, so then I can continue mm -hmm. and, like, really push. <laughs> yeah, correct, exactly. Okay, so, sorry, I just wanted to, I was just interested no, it's, in that, because yeah, you have to right. bring, bring up some mistakes, and I wanted to, you know, just to see if there's anything anyone can learn. But but continue on, please, with uh, your, your journey. We're at 2017. Yeah. No, we're still in early 2016. Don't oh, worry, we're in early 2016? Yeah, let me, oh, sorry, you're right, 17, 17, my bad. Yeah, 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 your third event, you just missed. Yeah, I just yeah. finished Seattle. I get 33rd, I'm sad, but I'm, like, so happy just because I did well. And I wasn't going to travel to any of the upcoming YCSs, which were Atlanta and Denver and whatever, just because my friends weren't going to go, and I didn't really feel like going with alone. Um so the first major event that I went after that was uh, nationals in 2017. And I had never been to a national championship before. So what I anticipated prior to going to the event is that I was going to play against only like super good players. Like it's nationals. You have to get an invite to go. It's like, this is going to be a really hard tournament. So what my, myself and my friends that were going with me did was we built our decks catered to be like really smart players. So we played special tech cards that, the really good players, like, it doesn't matter how good they are, they're just, they specifically can't play through these cards. Um, like, for example, 
uh, we were playing like, I mean, uh, uh, Flying C, because it was still a Zodiac format. So Flying C had gotten really popular in the main deck. So we, we, we needed to play around cards like that. So we started playing like, and like three enemy controls in the main deck, Forbidden Chalices to Chalice our own Flying Seas, stuff like that. Just, we were like counterpicking the counterpicks that pro players were, that we expected pro players to make. Mm-hmm. But the problem that we learned at that YC, after playing at Nats, because uh, I ended up scrubbing out after day one, I lost, I was out by like round eight, is that we like overbuilt our decks that the, because the average, the, the things that we expected our opponents to do or play into, they just weren't doing because they, we were, we were, we were like playing like 4D chess, man, when they were just playing checkers pretty much, <laughs> but it, but it doesn't really work out when all your deck, your deck choices are built to punish players for making the smart moves. And we were getting punished for waiting on them to making the smart moves, but we were getting punished because they were, they weren't making what we expected them to make. So after that event, we took like a, we had to, like, myself and my friend group, we had to sit down and be like, okay, uh, we just approached this all wrong. <laughs> yeah. So we, ha- we, we realized that we had to go about, like, preparing for an event and building our decks to, like, a completely different approach. Um, so the first event that I attended after that, which was October of 2017, which was YCS Dallas, I actually got my first top at that event because everything that we put into theory worked out. Mm-hmm. Um what do you mean, wait, what do you mean when you put into theory? As in, like, you realize that you shouldn't play all these cards that, like, counter cards that you think people are going to play that would hurt you? Yeah, we pretty much just said, like, okay, we can't we can't be overthinking when we're playing against our, our opponents. Um, mm-hmm. We just have to take it kind of, like, one step at a time. And then when it comes to building our decks, we should just make them as consistent as possible and making what we're doing, what we want to, the deck to do, and able to do it as consistently as possible. Um, and then just, like, what once we built up the consistency as much as we could, just play the remaining tech cards that should work for the format. But it was really more about just how we wanted to approach actually playing the game, um, which is just really like not, not overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and it really worked out because like I said, I got my first top at that event, which is crazy. Cause yeah. that, event, that event was like absurd, man. Like I lost my wallet like the day of day one. Jeez. And I, w- I didn't really care about like losing the wallet as much as like, <laughs> as much as I was like, man, my ID's in there. How am I going to fly home? <laughs> yeah. But th- thankfully it got uh, turned in before round one. So that was cool. But oh, I wow. also switched, I also switched the like decks like literally at midnight the night before. So it was a really, it was like a really crazy event, but uh, I managed to get my first top. And then from there, it just kept working. Like mm-hmm. uh, my first event after that, that I traveled to, Oh, I didn't do too good. It was YCS San Diego, but I was just being dumb, dumb duck building on my behalf. <laughs> but Wait, that, that was after? That, yes, that was after. After that Dallas? One event okay. after. Correct. What did you play with? After. What did you play at Dallas? I played Trickstar, which is the deck that I also used to go to, that I got fourth at Nats with. Okay. Um, and I played Trickstar again at San Diego, but I did a super dumb list because I was dumb, but that's uh, that's an event we don't talk about. Well, is there something yeah. you learned from that that other people might be able to learn from that? Uh, No, I was just... Think, trying i thought like this i thought for instance at the time it's when people started playing scapegoat and trickstar which was like a which ended up becoming a staple but instead of playing that card i was playing instant fusion because i thought it was more aggressive but mm. it was just the wrong choice and that like really cost me throughout the tournament um but yeah after that tournament uh, i go to my next ycs which was ycs salt lake which is one of the smallest ycs's like in north american history it had like 550 players oh wow um but that YCS was so hard. In my 10 rounds of Swiss, I played like six guys that I played also topped. And then out wow. of like the other four, one had gone to Worlds and got in second place at Worlds. The other one had won like multiple YCSs. Another one had won a YCS. Like my my rounds of Swiss Jeez. were incredibly difficult. But Sounds like it. Wow. Yeah, but it was super fun though. I like playing against really good players. Um, but I ended up topping that event, and so did my my good friend Caesar. We topped together. Oh, that's and fun. then yeah, really cool. And then we both got we both sat next to each other in top thirty two, and we got knocked out in top thirty two. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, which was Nats of twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and for this this Nats, we like we we remembered every all of our mistakes from the previous year, which was like over preparing our decks, whatever. And we just said, okay, look, we just have to build our decks to be consistent. We want them mm-hmm. to do the same thing every round. If they can do that, uh, we should be able to our play our opponents because we know what we have to do. Like we, because we, 
every year before Nats, we have a, a, a Saturday, the Saturday before Nats, everybody meets at my house or we'll meet at a friend's house and we'll just test the whole day. And that's, that's it. That's all we do. That's like our big testing session for Nats. It's just one Saturday before, before the weekend before we fly out. <laughs> We just meet up, but it always works because we're just smart and we just understand the game and what we're going to expect. And we just play test for like six or seven hours after we built our decks, just trying to get like all the intricacies correct so that we don't make mm -hmm. any mistakes when we're actually playing the tournament. And the tournament came up and uh, yeah, look, I've, I've, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I know it, I've gotten controversy on this. Uh, I still think I'm the best trickstar player ever. I was absurd with that deck. Um, <laughs> And I only lost one mirror in Swiss in that tournament because I bricked game three. And then I lost a mirror, but I had already qualified for Worlds by that point. And my friend that I lost to, his name's Isaiah, who also won a Worlds, he and I were just were just chilling, playing. It was actually a very, a very fun experience because we had already both qualified for Worlds. And we're like, man, yeah. we're going to Worlds, bro. Isn't that crazy? He's like, yeah, we're just, we're just chilling. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's like everything that I've learned from when I started playing in, again in 2015, all the way to the point where I was able to qualify for Worlds in 2018, has mm -hmm. all compounded into continuing success in the game, which I'm really happy that the results have shown off. So what, okay, so you, you make a big claim here that you're the best Trickstar player ever. Oh yeah. Oh, what, what were you doing that other people weren't doing with the deck? I just understood that deck so well, man. You don't even know. I don't, I just, it's, I'm so glad you asked this question because <laughs> I remember specifically, in, in, I was in top 16. Mm -hmm. I was in game three. I was playing a Trickstar Mirror, and I thought I lost. I was like, all my, I forgot exactly what the specific thing my opponent had to do. It was like he had to search for a car, like this card, and then summon this monster, and then summon this, and then I die. I forgot exactly what it was, but I remember that there was like a little line of play like that. And I was like, wow, I, I, I lost, but I was happy to have made it that far. I was already thinking <laughs> that in my head. And then I see my opponent not search the card that I knew he needed to win. And I was like, oh, I just win. And I killed him the next turn. And I don't know. It was just, I just knew that deck so well because I had been playing it for so long that I just knew there wasn't anybody better than me with the deck. Hmm. And I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, it worked out. I mean, I, I won on, I won on my mirrors. It was crazy. Like literally my first round of Swiss at that Nats, the guy I played against, like incredibly difficult mirror. I did win. And that guy that I beat ended up making the top 16 of the same tournament at Nats. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy. But I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't say it's like, oh, it's because I knew this or that. I just mm -hmm. understand. Like, that deck is a part of me, man. Like, I could, I could feel the, <laughs> the cards running through my veins, man. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it shows that you, you played Trickstar for, like, the full year. And you had a lot of yeah, success I, with I it. I played that deck for a long time. Yeah, I think that's important to really know, like, if you're going to go into a big tournament, you have to choose the deck that you're most comfortable with. You know, that's even, a big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even if, like, this new deck comes out from a new set, like, right before the tournament, and, and it might be, like, the best deck or has all the hype, it seems like, and from what others have said, too, is you should play the deck that you're most comfortable with, that you know the combos inside and out, because that's where you'll, you'll find the most success, it seems like. Yeah, that's actually something I recommend to a lot of my friends as well. They'll see like a new deck comes out and it's like a week before the Y sale. Man, should I play this? I tell them no. I tell them stick with what you're comfortable with because if you switch to a deck like super last minute, you're going to make a lot of mistakes just because you haven't been playing that deck for a long time. But mm -hmm. if you play the deck you're most comfortable with, you're going to like know like the whole deck inside and out. So you're not going to be losing to your own mistakes. And it really sucks to lose your, to your own mistakes rather yeah. than losing to just because, you know, I mean, you just lost, you know what I mean? But that's a big thing that I do recommend, like trying to stick with what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. Even like when I used to play, like when I went to Worlds, I, I changed my deck a little bit like the night before. So I was very easily like influenced when I, when I was that <laughs> age and uh, I regret it, you know? So I think it's important just to kind of stick with your, with your guts and, and know what, what you think is good and not have regrets. Mm -hmm. So if you, as long as you follow your own way and you know, what's right for you, you know, you won't have regrets. Yeah, definitely. So if there was a tournament tomorrow, what if there was a YCS tomorrow, what, what deck would you enter with? And say Dryton oh. is lead. I don't know if you've play tested with, with Dryton at all. Yeah, I've, I've played against it a little. Uh, oh, my God. You're just putting me on the spot right here. Uh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> I haven't asked it before, but now I'm going that's, to. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Yeah, you got to know what, what they're running. Uh, I don't know. I'm, like, super fickle. Like, I switch up 
like I play a, a good amount of dueling book for fun and I'm like always playing different stuff just because I get bored of the same deck mm-hmm. but I think if I had to like like last minute pick a deck I'd probably like play invoked I think like some invoked variant um invocation is just so good uh being able to like banish lights uh like banish virtual worlds out of the graveyard banish dry trons out of the graveyard is really strong banish golden lord out of the graveyard is really strong uh, Mikaba is really good versus um versus the zodiac cards because they can't really dry it at Mechaba. They can't really dry it in Alistair, so that's really good. Uh, you have a lot of space for tech cards in there. Like you can main deck three cosmic. You can main deck called by the grave. Uh, you can main deck hand traps. You can main deck a lot of draw powers. So, I think I'd probably play invoked just because mm-hmm. it's something that I like. I don't know. It, it's the kind of deck that caters to me, which is like a deck that offers a lot of interaction. I've never been like a big combo guy. I don't know. I don't know. Those decks never just really appeal to me. I I like interaction, mm-hmm. and the invoke deck offers a lot of in, uh, interaction so i think i'd pick that um maybe dinosaur i think dinosaur is super broken as well but i like the invoke deck more so i'd probably just play invoke hmm. so you would stay away from Dryton virtual world like both the new decks yeah man i don't know i i, I don't know combos just ne- just never been my thing man i don't know i like like the like at least the way i've always thought of it is i don't want to lose just because my opponent had like a hand trap to stop my com one. I just yeah. couldn't go through anymore. I was like, I don't, that doesn't feel satisfying to me. I don't know. That's not as fun to me as play. I like I like having fun when I play the game. And sure. I've just never really had fun playing combo decks. So, I mean, no, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, please. Oh, go I was gonna say, I just I can't imagine playing just like against yourself, basically. Like yeah, that's why I used to like <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh before is like the interaction, and then you're making like the reads, and you know mm-hmm. you kind of grind. That's why it seems kind of unappealing to play now, but I, I still want to learn and and get into it more. Yeah, I mean, the, the format after this new ban list really has slowed down a lot. Um, the only, like, combo deck is, like, the Virtual World deck um, because of Calamities and stuff, but I don't know, even, like, Drytron, it's like... I don't. I still don't even know what the deck does. It's such a weird thing. I was going to ask you. <laughs> it's, so, it's cool, but... I, I don't know what it does. What did it do? I don't know, like, man. What's his I, combo? I, what does Enfield? All I know is that the deck always draws Ben 10, and then it's so annoying. I don't know. I literally do not know what it does. I think different I think di- different Drytron players do different combos in the deck. Like, I recently saw Jesse was main decking, like, Vanity's Ruler, which is pretty cool. But, like, I don't know. I honestly, dude, I can't tell you. I just see everybody do, like, different things. I just know that mm-hmm. the deck is very consistent, and gains a lot of advantage because they can always recur their stuff like in the in the next turn so i don't know what it does but it's definitely a cool deck yeah his uh from i mean i don't like i said i don't know the game too well but his his deck was seemed pretty odd from so from my from my viewpoint just because i don't know what's really going on but like dawn knight i i wouldn't think that would be a card that <laughs> yeah who would expect that's some- good some hideous card that oh I don't that, know, is that, dawn knight good in like in like it's good in it, yeah I like because Triple what, Herald seems a little inconsistent. I don't know. Like it seemed like when I watched his feature match, he like would end. He ended his turn without having like a second fairy monster because he like used them all for his combo. So it seemed a little dead. I I don't know though. This is stuff. I yeah, play. it's 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 a weird deck, man. I don't know. It's because but the thing is that it's like so the ban list just came out and the first yeah. big tournament just happened. The latest luxury yeah, series. Yeah. Um, formats formats get figured out. So <laughs> we're still super early in the format. It's literally the first week, and it's going to get figured out. These guys that grind these online tournaments, they work on this stuff, like, really hard. Yeah, yeah. So as as we progress in the month, in the coming months, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll start to understand more. There'll, maybe there will even be, like, maybe more linear lines of plays or lines of way to build the decks just because they'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, I finally found what the optimal combo is. So it's, it's just still, like, a little early to tell, I think. Yeah. Well, with that said, I should say Jesse's obviously – I don't even play, but even if I did play, he'd probably be 10 times better than me. So I'm sure he knows what he's doing. I'm sure yeah, he knows what he's doing 100%. playing Don Knight and Harold. So I, insane in this game. I really shouldn't be, you know, pointing out things and being like, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, speaking of the new ban list, though, what did you think of the new ban list? Did, do you think they hit everything you wanted to see hit? Did, did they leave something off the list that you're mad about? Uh, I like the bans. I think the bans were good. Uh, Link Cross had to go. That card was really degenerate. Uh, the Dragon Buster Whelp really had to go. Uh, that was, like, super degenerate. Like, being able to just lock your opponent out of playing from their extra deck is really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Smoke Grenade card had to go. You shouldn't be able to look at your opponent's hand like that, I don't think. But they de- uh, they definitely missed some cards, I think. Uh, they should have either banned or limited Miscellaneousaurus. I think that card needs to be banned. That card is uh, really unfair. Um, 
I think the Eldritch cards need to get hit. Like, they're being played in so many decks now uh, that they're just being thrown in as, like, a little engine. But that engine is, like, so broken. So I think, like, Sanguine had to get limited and maybe Conquistador has to get limited, too. Um, but other than that... Oh, Needle Fiber needs to go. Uh, they won't ban that for a while, though. But that card, that card needs to get banned. Oh, oh, and Calamities. Everybody's talking about... Yeah, Calamities has to go. That's another card that's just... That's like, BFD, like, right? Correct. BFD yeah, was the was yeah. the name in Japan, in Japan before yeah. it came to America, where it was changed to Calamities. Yeah, it seems um, like everybody wanted that card gone. Yeah, it's it's a card that just um, makes your opponent have like no interaction on their turn. So I shouldn't mm. be able to just be locked out from playing. I don't know. It's dumb. At least when like when um, other combo decks ended on like negates, I technically could still play. I mean, sure they'll negate my stuff, but I could technically still <laughs> attempt to do stuff with Calamities. I can't even attempt to play, so it's dumb. <laughs> Um, but that's yeah, fair. I think those are like the big, the big, the big things they missed: calamities, miscellaneous Saurus, um, uh, the limiting the Eldritch cards and like needle fiber. But mm. other than that, I did like the bands. I think the banning Link Cross, the Dragon Buster Destruction Whelp, and the Smoke Grenade were like a really good start. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever have like a big breakthrough moment that you felt like propelled you to the next level? Uh. No, it's like we talked about earlier. I think it was just like a gradual progression from mm-hmm. event to event. I mean, if I had to like name like one moment theoretically, it would be like after 2017 Nats, like learning like like from our mistakes for how we prepared for that event. But I really think it's just a cataclysm of uh, improving after every event and like learning from our from my mistakes and just mm-hmm. uh, making sure to take that into account when preparing for the up for the next event. Do you do anything special to prepare for? Like upcoming events do you like try to play test a certain amount <coughs> every day or so you know, like i don't have like circle? a i don't have like a set amount that i play test like i don't be like okay i need to put in three hours today or anything but yeah uh something i do do a lot before leading up to events is i'll play a lot on dueling book because what dueling book helps the most for preparing for events at least uh, the way i see it is learning the meta um mm. If you just try and like prepare for an event by sticking to locals, you're never going to learn the meta as much as you can because every player is going to play every deck differently. So hmm. if you just go to locals and you're playing the same, I don't know, 10 to 20 guys uh, playing their same deck every week, they're not really going to change up the, their, the way they play just because that's just what the average player does. They just play their deck the way that they, that they know how to play it. But if I play, I don't know, let's say five different guys online all playing the same deck. Let's say they're all playing Drytron, right? Uh, to keep it relevant. Um, almost every time, all the five guys are going to play their Drytron deck differently. Mm-hmm. Either with the way they go about the, the combo or like the way they sequence their cards. Almost all of them are going to play it differently. And the more you play on Dueling Book like that, and the more um, different people you play against, then the more things that you could catch that are possible in like those matchups that you can potentially expect to see happen in an event. So let's say, for instance, again, I play against five different Drytrons, right? And they, I, I kind of get an idea of what they're doing with their deck um, based off of, like, the card choices or what they start with. Like, let's say they uh, start with, like, I don't know, searching Prep of Rights first or Search Benton or whatever, and then, like, Alpha first. Like, like little stuff like that. If I – and then once I go to the actual event, if I see my opponent doing something like this, the same thing, I'm like, okay, I've seen this, I've seen this online before. I know what's going to happen next, so I know where to interrupt them uh, from here. And I think that really helps. So I like to play a lot of Dueling Book for that reason specifically. Um, but I'll just, and I'll just try, and then if uh, an event is coming up, I'll try to go to locals every Saturday because I don't go to locals every Saturday. I'll go maybe like twice a month if I can. But mm-hmm. I'll force myself and my friends to go more often just so we can like start working our theories in, in person to see if we like what, how it works out. Um, and then from there, we can be like, okay. This is what I like. This is what I didn't like. Or I messed up here, but now now that I messed up here, I won't mess up in tournament in the, the tournament anymore because I remember my mistakes. So that's really about all I do. I mean, uh, and then I'll just like be constantly like uh, talking in my group chat with my friends. Like, okay, like oh, I just found this out. Maybe I like this card, or I've been working with this ratio. Um, so that's really like my big three. It's like testing on dueling book, uh, playing mm-hmm. in locals, and uh, talking in the group chat. Gotcha um do you have any do you have any advice for for players who are kind of looking to take their game to the next level or maybe they're on like the the brink of topping kind of like you were for a little while uh yeah if do i have any advice i guess i'd say 
like because well okay sorry to interrupt you but here's one thing you haven't said that everyone also said where they said what made them better was just playing against players who were better than them like at their locals or somehow getting into a better circle so I don't know if you if you did have that or if you somehow kind of developed on your own and figured things on your own a little bit which might be helpful to others if you could explain how you did that if, if yeah, that I was actually, the course I actually don't think that that's relevant at all like playing against better players or anything I don't think that matters because uh I mean sure I mean if you play against better players you're gonna be like oh you, you might learn some things from them because mm-hmm. you're like oh, okay this guy's this guy's really good he does this and that and this whatever right but I like me and my friend group we built each other up on our own we didn't really talk to like any pr- like pros or anything uh we all started with no tops but we just worked our way up on our own um just we would go to locals together and we just learn on our own i don't know i think it helps just being like i don't know just generally intelligent in life just i don't know um like just understanding so i mean like i don't know i like to think that i'm a smart guy i I have my (laughs) i have my degree and whatever i always did good in school and stuff and i like I, i can understand like theory and stuff um so i like to think that i'm a smart guy so that i can understand like i don't know like more complex aspects of the game that some like the average player might not see or whatever but i don't know like i i don't I, it, we just built each other up on, the, on, our, on our own and that's something that i'm really proud of because being able to say like yeah man we just went from going to locals on saturdays nearby my house to i've been to worlds i have two nats trophies sitting in my room uh, almost all of us in our group have YCS tops. Uh, we all have some kind of top. Like it's, it's something that I'm really, really proud of. Um, mm. So I don't, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I haven't gotten better because I've like seen better players or played against better players or talked against better players and like learn from them because there mm-hmm. is stuff you can learn from them. But I don't think that's like the end all be all of improving as a player. I just think it's really just about putting the time in. Um, the more time you put into the game, then the more you're going to start understanding ab- about the game. Um, also, like, just being able to learn from your mistakes, like, or try to uh, understand where you went wrong in a game and then being able to learn from that, like, going on. Uh, it's just being able to just kind of, like, analyze yourself pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, because that's, that's like, that's kind of the whole thing that I keep recurring back to that going after 2017 Nets. We have to go back and understand that we messed up, that we we made a mistake in the way that we prepared. So we have to be able to grow from that and learn from that and try to find out how we messed up, where we messed up, and how we can improve from that in the future. And I think that's like the biggest thing about improving in this game is just being able to understand and accept your mistakes, where you've mm-hmm. messed up, and where you failed. Because I failed a lot in this game too. Um, but it's all about just learning from that last experience so that you can improve upon it when when uh, you keep playing and mm-hmm. it's like i said it's just worked out so far yeah i don't remember who was on the podcast and, and talked about this but going off of that they were like they would you know you always hear people at events complaining like oh i lost this card because they they had the pan trap of course or whatever or like they had this obviously and it's like what are the chances but like there was probably a way they could have played around mm-hmm. that And so, like, they, instead of just, like, being like, oh, that was so unlucky that they had that card, it's like, they probably should go back, reanalyze, and be like, okay, I probably could have played around that in one way or another and and figure it out. Yeah, that's that's something that my good friend Paolo does, uh, one of the best players on the planet. Um, He, like, really, really, really goes in-depth with his previous matches after, like, every round. He'll just, like you if you come up to him like after a round is finished he's on his phone going over notes of what he did in his previous game to try to mm-hmm. find out like where he messed up where he could have done better and that's like that's what makes him so good uh partially so good as a player because he really is able to un- analyze his mistakes and it's mm-hmm. just the same thing it's just like being able to understand where you went wrong and you have to understand you have to be accepting of where you went wrong it's like sometimes you know it's kind of hard to be accountable on yourself like you don't want to say oh you know i messed up it's my fault but sometimes you just have to understand that, yeah, it was your fault. And you just have to be able to move on from that so that when those situations arise in the future, you don't make those same mistakes because you've, le- you've been able to learn from them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, have you had a favorite format ever? <laughs> yeah, any format when Trickstar was the best deck. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, 
to be fair, that that Nats format was pretty trash because Goki was one of the worst decks ever made, like in terms of how dumb it was. Um, but and that Dallas format that I also topped was also super dumb because Spiral, like, so there were out of the top 32, 29 people played Spiral. Uh, two people, including me, played Trickstar, and then Ed, who uh, played Invoked. So it's like, that's a pretty terrible format when 29 out of the top 32 are playing Spiral. So it's, it's weird because yeah, I, love, I, I love Trickstar, but like every t- format that I played Trickstar in was like really bad for the deck. So I don't know. I, I, just, I, just, I just love playing that deck. And if it ever becomes the best deck again, you'll see me win an event. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's confidence right there. Um, you know, I had a question about building a side deck. I don't know exactly how to, how to make it more specific, but what do you take into account when building your side deck for an event and, um, you know, making sure you don't mess up the flow of your own deck to try and counter mm-hmm. other decks and mess up your ratios? How do you decide uh, on your side deck? You kind of touched on it right here, right there at the end of your remark about like not me- messing up the flow of your deck. You have to know how many cards like. So the way we build our decks when we're building a deck is like, okay, we have your engine requirement. Like you need to play, I don't know, these twenty-five cards you have to play in your deck for sure. And mm-hmm. then from there, after those twenty-five cards, if, if, if effectively the, the rest of the fifteen are technically optional. So. Um, what we try to do when we're building our side deck is know that how many cards we can actually effectively side out of our deck um, so that it doesn't interrupt our engine. Because if you're starting to side out cards from your engine, you're gonna start, you're just gonna be losing because you're just lowering the consistency of your deck. So you can't do that. So once we know how many cards we can effectively side out of our main deck, then we know uh, we need to be able to like find, what I like to do at least is find cards that are good um, in more than just one matchup, like that they work against at least two matchups that you might expect in the format, because you only have such a limited space in your side deck, right? You only have 15 cards. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's say for instance, in the current format, this is a good, this is a good way to put it. Um, Virtual World and Drytron are super good, obviously. I mean, they just got first and second in the latest event, and mm-hmm. both of those kind of have a pretty heavy. They 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 do kind of rely on the graveyard a little bit. Like Virtual World, the the spell is really strong. The banishes from the graveyard is surge. And Drytron, a lot of them, they can trigger off the grave, or like Ben 10 will trigger in the grave. So a card like Skullmeister hits both of those decks really good. And it also hits the Eldritch deck. So we try to find cards like that that are good versus a a wide array of matchups. That Mm -hmm. way we can keep our our side deck like pretty generic um, for the whole, for everything that we might anticipate. But then again, there are some formats where there's just like certain cards in the side deck that are just too good versus one matchup that you might expect a lot to see that you just have to play. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, Orcus was like the best deck for, I don't know, like like four or five months. So everybody had to side three artifact lands here. Sometimes you just have to do that. But uh, at least the way I like to do it, I, uh, I, have, I haven't had the best side decks in the past. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the times that they have worked out at least, um, Though that like that strategy of trying to find generic cards that are good versus more than just one matchup really helps. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is not is not oversiding. hundred uh, percent. I've lost games. My friends have lost games just because we oversighted, and that's a big that's that's a big no no. So I think that's the most important aspect of siding is just how to side deck. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And and so when you say how to side deck, you do you have a limit of how many cards you're willing to side in? And do you have hard uh, outs where you're like, okay, I know for sure when I play this, I'm setting these six out every time. I mean, there have been times where I side in my like every like 15 cards from my side deck. Oh wow! Because and that doesn't yeah, ruin just, the flow of your deck. No, because I had 15 cards I was able to side out that they weren't engine cards. That's why, like I said, you have to know how many cards you can like viably side mm-hmm. out, but you have to know this stuff before going into an event. Yeah, you can't sure. be in the middle of a round thinking, oh man, what should I side out? <laughs> You're, that's a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. because that takes too much time and you're going to make too many mistakes. Um, so we try to get that all ironed out before another. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, there'll be that's times like I know it's like, okay, there's these seven cards that I can side out after game one in every matchup. So if I have seven slots, I can know what I can put in from the side deck. So um, that's a big thing is knowing, knowing what you can and can't side out, uh, mm-hmm. but knowing that before you actually go into the event. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's good advice. That is definitely important. Uh, if you could change one thing about the game, what would it be? The time rules. 
Uh, I'm sure other yeah. people have said this on the podcast before, but they are really uh, negative on the game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It causes, uh, it allows for a lot of malice and like slow playing. Um, and it's kind of really hard to call out slow playing because it's really, it's something that's difficult to prove. Um, but they've just really, really, really ruined the game. I understand why they did it. Uh, but, and in theory, it actually makes for a, a good idea. And I think that the time rules work well at like the regional level. But when you're at a YCS level, which is like their premier tournament, they really just don't work. And they really don't even save that much time either. They're, they'll still go like 20 to 40 minutes after the round. So it's, uh. It's a really unfortunate situation that we have to deal with, but I mean, at the moment, there's not really much we can do. But those uh, those rules definitely have to go, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite card of all time? Yeah, and you and I were talking about it earlier today. <laughs> it's uh, it's a Dark Magician from the from the tin that came out, I think, in two thousand four or two thousand two, the BPT tin mm-hmm. with the original artwork, Secret Rare. Um, and it's just because it's really sentimental to me because I remember getting that tin when I was a little kid, um, and I I just I loved it. And I that card, yeah. and the artwork just looks really nice on it. The way that the secret rare shines, it kind of looks like a DDS. Uh, it does. Yeah. And so would you think Dark like, Magician's your favorite card though? No, no, no. I don't care about no Dark Magician. Yeah, that so that card actual, specifically. Yeah. Okay. But what would you say actual your favorite, favorite card? card? Yeah. It's got to be my my girl, my Trixar Candina, man. That'll look, man. That that deck just served me so well, man. Yeah, that I deck don't just served me so well. So that deck will always have a, a place near and dear to my heart. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, what 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 are you most looking forward to in in the new year when events hopefully start up? What are you most looking just, forward to? About oh that? man, just being able to travel and see like all the people that I haven't been able to see uh, mm-hmm. since the last event. Like I like to tell my friends, like man, I don't, I honestly don't really like playing the game all that much. I actually just like like going to events and hanging out with people and seeing everybody and just making new friends. Um, It's just like, there's real, there's really no feeling of like walking into a big event, seeing like all the people in the room and then seeing your homie that you haven't seen since the last event. You're like, Hey man, what's up? And then just catching up with everything. That's so fun, man. Um, It's like, no, it's just like this camaraderie that that you build up during the game from playing so much and continuing to travel and meeting these people over and over again. And, Obviously, this year has been hard for everybody, but that's something that I know once the events are start to come back in full swing, that that's going to be like an incredible moment, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. What's cool is that I feel like when you travel and you kind of just get into um, the, or the rep- just from traveling so much over and over again, you meet enough people to where I feel like if you go anywhere in the world, you're like, oh, I know who I can stay with or like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I know who I can hang out with there. Like, that's the really, I found that really cool. Even when I had quit Yu-Gi-Oh for like seven years and I would go somewhere, I'm like, oh, I know he used to live here. Like, let me hit him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a cool experience being able to say like, yeah, I have friends all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you have a top five player list right now? Which is kind of hard because there's no events. I have an event. Uh, it is kind of hard. I mean, you'd have to like kind of solely base it off the online performances. Mm-hmm. But if you just ask me, like, like generally who the top five players are, uh, immediately that comes to mind is, like, Jesse, uh, Cody Angelov, Paulo, Paulo, like, 100%. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to just think off the top of my head. I think uh, my friend Walter, who was also on this podcast, doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. He is a master at this game. Uh, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of good players out there. I, I can't really think of any, like them at the top of my head. But, like, that just come to mind like like that would be yeah like Cody uh, Jesse Paulo I'm sure I'm I'm sure there are some that are I'm blatantly missing yeah I'm not trying to like disrespect anybody but it's it's been a long day man uh, yeah. my mind isn't my mind isn't thinking about every Yu-Gi-Oh player I know right now <laughs> well speaking of uh, possibly blatantly missing I'm gonna put you on the spot any any shout outs you want to give oh of course man I love I love giving shout outs obviously yeah, shout outs to don't miss anybody. No, oh god, I've missed people before. <laughs> Shout outs obviously to my my boys Caesar, Francisco, Remigio, Nuco, Mueller, Guillermo. Shout out to my local uh, Murillo Digital Systems in Hawthorne. That's where I first met all my friends. That's where I first started playing and where we all built ourselves up. So that place is that place is my home pretty much. Uh shout outs to my boy Alberto at uh, Frank's. Make sure to check out his booth. Unfortunately, I don't know his booth number. But you can also check him out on TCG Player at uh, his, I believe his thing is TCG Empire. 
shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Walter, who I talk to almost every day on and off about Yu-Gi-Oh. That's my boy as well. It's crazy because here's a just a quick little anecdote. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I knew Walter because he's from San Diego, so I would like see him at these LA at these LA areas. But like, I never really spoke to him. I don't know. I kind of didn't like the guy. Even though I had like, never spoken to him. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really like the guy. Appreciate the like, honesty. He, he would beat my friends at, at, at regionals. And I was like, man, I can't have that, right? And then magically, we went to the Worlds the same year. And now I love this guy. I don't know. That guy's, that guy's great. He's like one of my closest friends in the, in the Yu-Gi-Oh community now. So shout out to Walter. Uh, shout out to my boy Austin right here. Oh, yeah, oh. man. Appreciate <laughs> um, it. I don't know. I just like to, I kind of like, I'm I'm friendly with everybody, but I like keeping like a close a close circle, and those are those are my boys for life right there, pretty much. Um, so obviously, like I said, I have forgotten before, and I clearly have forgotten some now, probably. But <laughs> those are uh, those are the ones that I always keep near and dear to my heart that I always uh, will always look back on. Um, that I've like friendships that I've established in the game that I know that I'm gonna have pretty much forever, mm-hmm. and people that have helped me like and built me up uh, for my time playing this game. Yeah. Well, perfect. Uh, I'm I'm out of questions, but it's it's been great having you on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Um, I'm looking for that that three that three peat top for nationals in 2021. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. Every every flight, like since even since 2018, I like to tell my mom helps me pack, <laughs> and I'll tell her, yeah, you need to. <laughs> I'll tell her leave room for the trophy, and she laughs every year. But every year, baby, that trophy's in there, so we'll get another one at the next match. I love that. That's so great. <laughs> leave room for the trophy. Hell yeah! You got a place <laughs> you have somewhere on your mantle that's just like an empty space for it? Yeah, I have like a like on my dresser. They have they're like sitting right there. They, they look really nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get a third one though. It's coming, I believe. All right, sweet. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having th- thank you for having me on. I had a great time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it again.